On the Virtual Bible Stage tonight, we're going to make you a little uncomfortable. We're going to talk about the preachers, preachers, but more so than the preacher personally and individually. We're going to talk about sermons and the sermons he chooses to preach. Of course, that is sort of inseparably joined to the preacher himself. But we want to talk about sermons in specific tonight. All right. It's going to be an important discussion, at least for the preacher. And we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study we welcome you into the virtual bible study for thursday september 10th 2020 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here hello dad Hey, Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Good to be with you. Glad that you're listening tonight, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Sign in the chat room with other listeners as they're filing in tonight. Uh, if you're there, if you come in late, you don't need a doctor's note, you're fine. Just sign in at any time, and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, I thought we were going to be late tonight, but we actually made it on we time. We did. We're good. So... Uh, important topic tonight. Yeah, yeah. A uh, couple of things. Remember, uh, get your bumper stickers. Send us a, a, an email with your snail mail address. We'll send you a bumper sticker. Mm-hmm. Like us on Facebook and share us with your friends. Uh, got something we, we want you to put on your calendar coming up, oh, yeah. Jacob. Yep. We, we just were able to decide because we didn't know how the pandemic was going to affect uh, the possibility of having a, a, a gospel meeting. And so we usually have a week-long meeting in the fall, but we decided we're going to try to do a quick weekend meeting, last weekend in October, which will be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 23rd, 24th, 25th, October 23rd, 24th, 25th. Mark your calendars. If you're anywhere nearby in Middle Tennessee, we want you to come visit us. Jim Deason, who's well-known in this part of the country, a gospel preacher who preaches in Coleman, Alabama, but he's from around... he. He's from Alabama, but he has preached in these parts a, a lot and, in fact, used to preach here at College View years ago. And so Jim will be with us, Lord willing, for that gospel meeting. And so we want you to make a note of that. Okay. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be hitting we'll, that we'll up again. We'll push that a little yeah. more as we get closer. Yeah. Also, we want to remind you to get on our email update list so that you can know what our topics for discussion will be. You can Also, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at the virtual Bible study on Twitter. and also, you get if you get on that update list, you get our email bulletin. You get an email version of our weekly church bulletin. And so, uh, Two for one. And there's just all kinds of things available here if you'll take advantage of them. All right. To, your, to our update list earlier today, if you're not on it, send us an email. Say, add me to your list. To our update list, we ask these questions. Number one, concerning evangelism in general, should we be trying to convert people to Christ? Okay. Number two, is it possible to preach the gospel without being? I see I did a typo there. That was a little offensive when you uh, missed that up. Yeah. Is it possible to preach the gospel without being offensive to anyone? What about a preacher who decides only to preach positive lessons? Okay. 
Number three, what are some of the subjects that preachers ought to cover in their sermons? Where can a preacher come up with good ideas about what to preach? Okay. Number four, what about using visual aids, for instance, PowerPoint slides in preaching? Is this the equivalent of adding instrumental music to our singing? Okay, that's going to be a good one. And number five, should there be an invitation at the end of a sermon? Good questions. All right, so let's start out on this evangelism thing. I, I, the reason I ask this is, I, I mean, obviously preaching sermons is one element of Evangelism. I mean, there's lots of ways to evangelize, but public preaching, public proclamation of the word is is obviously a and a very important form of evangelism. And evangelism has the intended goal of winning people over to Christ. Right. We want to we want to we want to bring people to Christ. We want to make them disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to convert them. All those kind of words that go into. Well, get this. This is uh, from December last year, December 20th, 2019. Pope Francis told Christian high school students this weekend that they should respect people of other faith and not attempt to convert them to Christianity, insisting, quote, we are not living in the times of the Crusades, unquote. The Pope said that, quote, we are all the same, all children of God and true disciples of Jesus do not proselytize. Mm. The Pope went on to say that a Christian should never try to convince others of the truth of Christianity, but should simply give a testimony of consistency and wait for others to ask about the faith. If someone says he's a disciple of Jesus and comes to you with proselytism, he's not a disciple of Jesus Christ. In other words, if if I claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and I try to convert someone, that proves I'm not really a disciple of Jesus Christ, according to the Pope. See, and he's getting this from heaven, I guess, right? Uh, proselytism, he says, is not the way. The church does not grow by proselytism. Uh, I thought that was shocking. Now, that I, I came across another news story, thanks to our buddy out in Colorado, Randy, who sends me lots of stats. And, I, and he sent me some stats. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. They're buried. Two-thirds of U.S. Two-thirds of people in the U.S. say God accepts worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Two-thirds? Two-thirds. Sixty-four percent of of people in the United States say God will accept Christianity, Judaism, Islam. Mm. Now, if you think about that, that's just really shocking. It is. Because... Judaism and Islam deny Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Yep. And so they're saying that God will accept your worship while you are denying his only begotten Son. Crazy. I mean, I mean that's just so anti-biblical. It's shocking. But what's more shocking is how many people are believing that. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. Um, Jesus said... Uh, John 8, verse 24, I say to you that uh, I say therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. If you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Acts 4, verse 12 says there neither is there salvation in any other, or there's no other name under heaven uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That, that, you did, that's not, that doesn't take a lot of... Uh, 
high, a lot of brain power to, to I mean, understand I mean, you that. don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure that out, but I guess the Pope has not figured that out yet. Or, or people just aren't reading their Bible. Well, but, or, and I think this is, we're living in this age of insisted tolerance. We must tolerate everyone, even to the point that the Catholic Pope now believes he must tolerate Islam. He must tolerate unbelieving Judaism. I mean, where does it stop? The madness is is off the charts. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's great. So I thought that that was uh, uh, that is what prompted me to ask the question. And it's not just tolerance. It's this is actually embracing. Yeah. The, these uh, these paths to God that are not valid according yeah. to the Bible. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, but I mean, it's not surprising that people are believing it when someone as influential as the Pope is saying that very thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I asked the question, should we be trying to convert people? So, I mean, sermon preaching is an important form of evangelism. Maybe we should just quit preaching sermons altogether. I, yeah, I thought you were wasting space in your email when you asked such a fundamental question. Of what's to talk about here? But obviously, we need to lay some groundwork. Yeah. So, uh, yes, uh, we, need to be, we need to be evangelistic, including preaching sermons. Let's look at our emailers, Jacob, and see what they had to say. Kent says, yes, a careful study of the book of Acts demonstrates this very thing. The preaching of the apostles and first century preachers serves as an example of what constitutes God-approved preaching. They went everywhere preaching the gospel of Christ. When we consider the importance of edification in the work of the local church, such goes hand-in-hand with evangelism. Defending the faith in a public way should be used as tools for both evangelism and edification, especially as it relates to preaching. Yeah. All right. So really what we're doing when we preach sermons, and Kent has, has hit on both things, one of the things we're doing is we're trying to teach people who are not yet Christians. Right. But the other thing that we're trying to do is that we're trying to build up or strengthen or edify those who are Christians. And we accomplish both those things when we preach, and so preaching is very important. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul highlighted preaching as a part of God's plan. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if I can get these pages to turn for me here, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 20 Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So preaching is is an essential foundational part of God's plan for how things are supposed to happen. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Here's what Dwight and Michelle out in Iowa said about it. As for evangelism, yes, we all have a job to bring others to Christ to the best of our ability, although not all are teachers, but we all have talents of some sort to spread the truth. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As Paul also, uh, told Timothy in Second Timothy uh, verse chapter 2, verse 2, And the things which you have heard of from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul expected Timothy to teach others so that in turn they could do the same thing. All right, so very good. All right. So exactly. what about uh, what about his comment there about the fact that we're not all teachers? Uh, well, I, I would take that to mean that we're not all public okay. proclaimers. Okay. Which is, I think, certainly true. Studies have been done 
repeated studies come up with the same conclusion that people's number one fear in life is not dying. Dying is number two on the list of people's greatest dreaded fears. The number one fear of, of the majority of people is public speaking. Yeah. And so, uh, the idea that, that not all would be public teachers, I think is true. But I, I, and I think Dwight would agree with me about this. I don't think any of us are excluded from the responsibility to teach as we can, teach what we can, when we can, to whom we can, in whatever way we can. Or maybe we just make the connection with the teacher. You know, yeah, it may be that you say, I know a guy, so I'm, I'm, I'm on the job with this guy, and I, I, I kind of got an open door there to talk about religious things with him. And so I set up the study, and I bring you, Jacob, to, to teach it because I don't feel real qualified about that or I'm just nervous about that. Now, there's all kinds of ways to get the job done. I think, I think about Philip as he went to tell Nathaniel about finding Jesus, and yeah. uh, Nathaniel was a little bit hesitant, and Philip just said, come and see. Yeah. And so maybe that's the way that we teach is we just say, hey, come listen to this guy, yeah. explain it. Yeah. Uh, so we all have something we can do. Exactly right. All right. Mohan up in Illinois says, according to the Great Commission, yes, every Christian is to try to persuade people to obey the gospel. Some will sow the seed, some plant, and some will water. Very good. Thank he, you for that, Mohan. He, he's referencing what Paul said yeah. in First uh, Corinthians 3, uh, verse 6, I planted Apollos watered. God gave the increase. And there's a, there's a, there's a lesson for us all there. You, you and, don't have to take a convert across the finish line to do your part. And he and Paul even said, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. But God that giveth increase. It doesn't matter. Just do your part, whatever you Plant can. a seed, drop yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, put a little water on it if you yeah, can, and then yeah. maybe somebody else will come along and help it out. Yeah, uh, yeah. And God will give the increase. Right. Okay. Let's grab our first break. When we come back, I think something that's very, very pertinent and timely is the question, is it possible to preach the gospel without being offensive to anyone and and could i as a preacher the second follow-up question there was could i as a preacher just decide i'm only going to deal with positive themes i'm not going to get off into anything negative i'm just going to for me my choice is to be positive always all right can we do that We'll do that, and we'll get your comments in the uh, chat room. They are filling up there. We'll get them on the other side. Uh, Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, remember that you can hit Control-F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control-F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man? And instrumental music in worship? That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the webpage can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. 
And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Wild oats need no fertilizer. Small deeds done are better than great deeds planned. A man should not allow himself to hate even his enemies, because if you indulge this passion on some occasions, it will rise of itself in others. If you hate your enemies, you will contract such a vicious habit of mind as by degrees will break out upon those who are your friends or those who are indifferent to you. That quotes via Plutarch. There's something terribly wrong when we are more concerned over our children's social standing than we are their spiritual condition. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about preaching and the preacher's sermons. And and you asked before the break about can we stay positive. Here's what they say in the chat room about the necessity to preach. Brian's out in California. He references Romans 10, verse 14. How shall they... Uh, then shall they call on whom they, in, in, on him in whom they have not, uh, have believed, and how shall they believe in, uh, in him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Again, stressing the fundamental the aspect of preaching or right. sharing the word. Dwight says we all have, Dwight and Michelle say we all have an, uh, the op- responsibility to teach at every opportunity. And Dwight and Michelle say they, we, we try to teach by encouraging, or we teach by encouraging others to listen there to the There you go. Bible. How about that? Thank you. There, but, you know, uh, there are incredible tools available today that would not have been available just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like, just like Dwight says there, you know, maybe I'm kind of timid about talking to people, but, you know, I could give them, uh, you know, we, we, we have printed up business cards here, but you could just, you could just write down the address of the virtual Bible study and say, Listen to this and see if there's any, see if it raises any questions in your yep, mind. Right. Yeah. So there's just all kinds of, of opportunities. Or the bumper stickers. Yeah, and the archives. We've got tons of archives. Uh, we've got the virtual Bible study archives. We've got we've got our sermon and Bible class archives. Kyle keeps up with that on on our other YouTube channel, College U Live Streaming. Speaking of stream. sermons, yeah. Uh, so there's just all kinds of resources. Uh, and and so even if you didn't feel real confident in a face-to-face one-to-one discussion you could sure share a lot of information yep all right uh you ask can we stay positive all the time yeah uh is it possible to preach the gospel without being offensive to anyone and what about a preacher who says i'm only going to preach on positive themes well uh, the, the fact of the matter is uh that we if, if we're going to proclaim the message, then we're going to have we're going to have to be able to challenge and correct and and even identify what's wrong, where the errors are in the religious world. There, if, you don't have to, again, you don't have to dive in very deep. And say there's there's something not right here because here are people teaching one thing, and they call themselves Christians, and here are some people teaching exactly the opposite of that. And they claim to be Christians, too. So, I mean, they both can't be right. It's not a question of, well, it's just it's just a, you know, shades of gray here. No, it is black and white. It either is. For for instance, must you be baptized to be saved? There's only two answers to that. Yes or no. But there are people saying yes and there are people saying no. So, uh, you know. I, we've got to be able to dig out the truth, identify it, and then show where people are in error on subjects like that. And, you know, Jesus himself was was not adverse to doing that sort of thing. Uh, Matthew 22, verse 29 
when when he was being challenged by the Sadducees, and of course they were dead wrong on on life after death. Yeah. And Jesus said to them, "Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God." Uh, you know, think about that today. Jesus basically, "You're wrong. <laughs> you don't you don't even understand the scriptures. You don't know the Bible." If someone said that today, I think people would be really upset. You shouldn't talk like that. Yeah. They're they're trying to be more righteous than Jesus himself, if you can imagine that sort of thing. Uh, Of course, in the very next chapter of Matthew, Jesus condemns the Pharisees, and over and over again, he calls them hypocrites. Uh, Just one one little blurb out of that longer chapter, uh, Matthew 23 Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are likened of whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on. I can't believe the negativity there, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, no, the fact of the matter is that was the obviously perfectly right approach. Uh, Jesus never f- failed or made a mistake in any such engagement. And so he sets a pattern. Now, that's not to say that we approach everybody in that same way. It's not to say that, 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 that we have to come at them as, as tough as Jesus had to come after the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, in, in the book of Jude... Uh, Jude says, verse 22 of Jude's, of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Jude said, you're going you're gonna to have to make judgments about how you're going to approach different individuals. Yeah. But sometimes you've got to be <clears throat> negative. And Jesus was negative. Yes, uh, he was negative, but he was doing it out of love, right? Right. Uh, so that's the, the prerogative. Uh, Paul said, Paul said about... Uh, his his Jewish brethren in Romans chapter one, or excuse me, Romans chapter ten, beginning verse one, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. There's a lot in that uh, set of verses, but just notice they don't have knowledge. I, I don't deny. It, Paul says, I don't deny that they have zeal, but they don't have knowledge. They are ignorant of God's righteousness. They're trying to establish their own system of righteousness. They haven't submitted unto God. I can tell you, if if you were among those that he was describing, that would sound pretty negative. So if you look at it, we got Jesus, who was openly critical of those who were religiously in error. The apostle Paul did so. Here's a good one. Uh, the Apostle John, you know, one of the nicknames for the Apostle John is the Apostle of Love. John was the Apostle of Love. Notice what he said in 2 John, verse 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and Son. If there come any unto you, bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. For he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Here's John, an apostle who wrote a lot about love, but he couldn't be positive all the time. He had to be negative some of the time. And so, and we could just multiply the examples like that. But from these examples, 
Jesus, Paul, John, I think the absolute necessary conclusion is you can't be positive all the time. Uh, I think it's very clear, uh, very clear. Always do it in love, always do it meekly, but you're not going to be positive all the time. That's what Kent down in Calhoun, Georgia said. No, it is not possible to be positive all the time or not offend anyone. The gospel is divinely designed to convict people of sin, Acts 2, 34 through 40. Whether it be preaching that is directed toward non-Christians, faithful brethren, or unfaithful brethren, it needs to be to the intent of the preacher to bring individuals to the knowledge of the truth. The case being that all truth is not always pleasant to hear. Some individuals are going to become upset in learning what they need to know. The Word of God is designed to convict individuals of sin when truth is clearly preached. So when individuals are convicted of their sin, that, that, that can be a very disturbing re- reality for them. This does not mean that preachers should be crude, rude, or mean-spirited. However, they need to love the truth and the souls of humanity enough to preach what individuals need to hear, not what they want to hear. Positive preaching has its place in the preaching of truth. It, it pre, if preachers never deliver or never preach positive sermons, their preaching becomes unbalanced. But if preachers preach exclusively positive sermon, that preaching is also unbalanced as well, and that individuals individuals never hear needed negative truth. So I think what Kent said is important there. That our our goal is not to be negative all the time. If we were negative all the time, we wouldn't be doing the right thing either. But we can't be positive all the time either. And so it takes a balance. And I I really think that Kent's observations there are right. Dwight said uh, concerning, is it possible to preach the gospel without offending anyone? He said, maybe some, but Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3, "You you therefore must endure the hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so Dwight observes there's going to be hardship in teaching the truth to people. No one likes to be corrected or told they're wrong, so we must expect to have some sort of backlash with teaching the truth from time to time. Uh, And he he mentions Romans, or excuse me, Matthew 10, beginning verse 21. Brother will deliver up brother to death, father his child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all. For my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And so uh, uh, Dwight said, you know, it's, uh, all indication is you're going to get some some harsh pushback. Well, you don't get harsh pushback if you're just talking about pleasant things. Right. Right. And so uh, the, the, the very fact that, Je- uh, that Paul warned Timothy and Jesus warned his disciples that they were going to expect negative uh, feedback. Indicates it wasn't always going to be positive. Yep, right. Okay. Um, and then Mohan says, the Bible says all who live a godly life will suffer persecution. So it is impossible to do true preaching without offending people. And that's the important That's the important word there, true preaching. Yeah. So I think our answer is pretty clear on that. It's not possible to preach without being offensive to anyone. But what about the preacher? So the second part of that question was, what about the preacher who just says, well, for me, and now you can do what you want to do, and if you, I understand, I won't get mad at you. If you want to deal with some of those negative things, Jacob, just go ahead and do that. But for me, I'm just going to dwell on the positive. I'm just going to. Well, I, I, a preacher who does that, as Kent mentioned in his, his email, would not be doing his job thoroughly. In Acts chapter 20, a couple of uh, important uh, comments that Paul made when he was talking to the elders at Ephesus. Uh, he says, um, verse 26 of Acts 20, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, 
for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, when Paul said that, note, I think it's kind of interesting. I am pure from the blood of all men for or because I have not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. The clear implication of that is if he had neglected to teach some aspects of the truth and someone was lost because of that, then Paul could obviously be held responsible or accountable that he hadn't given an adequate warning. back to Ezekiel, right, where the yeah. blood would be on, on the one who didn't tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly right. So uh, a preacher cannot make that. I've known preachers who've said that very thing. Uh, and... Uh, you just you you just don't have the option if you're going to be a, a true proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ you cannot make that choice that choice is not yours we're reminded of what Paul told Timothy when he was uh, right at the end of life Paul the the final letter that Paul wrote is our book of Second Timothy we think he wrote it just shortly before he was executed during his second Roman imprisonment. He said to Timothy, preach the word. This is 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fable. But watch thou, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Now get this. You, first of all, in, in verse 2, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Uh, uh, three things that a preacher is supposed to do, two of them have negative connotations. Reprove and rebuke have negative connotations. Uh, so two out of the three things he told him he needed to do had a negative component to them. And then he he said they will not endure sound doctrine, but, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Get the, well, sound doctrine then would necessarily be something that wouldn't necessarily be pleasant to hear. They'd rather hear, they'd rather get somebody who would tickle their ears rather than to hear sound doctrine. And again, the clear implication is that sound doctrine will necessarily deal with negative components. Okay. Uh, Dwight says, I don't know for sure, Dwight and Michelle, I don't know for sure, but I've heard that well over half of the scriptures is negative teaching. Yeah, you know, um, several years ago, I don't know if you remember this, Jacob and Kyle, several years ago uh, on Sunday nights, we went through the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached, obviously, at least the greatest sermon of record. Are you talking about your sermon about the Sermon on the Mount? No, 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 Jesus' sermon on the Mount. Oh, that sermon, yeah, you're right. But Jesus may have preached greater sermons than that that are not recorded for us, but among those recorded, you got to say the Sermon on the Mount is the most famous and greatest sermon of all. And what we did was just read, read the, the section by section, paragraph by paragraph in the Sermon on the Mount. Obviously, that's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, so it's a pretty long sermon. Mm-hmm. And, and we, mm-hmm. after we talked about a, sex, a, a section, a paragraph, we said, now, is this positive, negative, or sort of in between? And, you know, we, when we got done, we, we boiled it down. It, it, and, of course, that's, there's some judgment involved in how you how you... Yeah. Assign positive and negative, but it was about half and half. Yep, about half and half from Jesus, the greatest preacher of all. All right, all right. So let's. So here's what Dwight said: a preacher oh. who preaches or teaches only positive sermon. Dwight and Michelle. I keep. I, I'm not giving Michelle credit where credits due here. Yeah. 
A preacher who teaches only positive sermons is not doing their job. Paul once again told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 5, Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. You mentioned, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. According to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But be watchful, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Uh, Dwight Michelle go on and add, one who is a preacher is doing the listeners a disservice by not teaching the many warnings listed in the scriptures. Okay. Amen to that. But, you know, you think about this guy, this, these people who would not endure sound doctrine. If it was all positive, if it was all, you know, making, you know, just to make the listener feel good, why wouldn't you endure that? Yeah. Why wouldn't you endure it? You know, God loves you. I, I'm tired of, of hearing about God loving me. No, no. There, there's got to be some things here that make you uncomfortable, that warm up your seat a little bit. And that's what people are not enduring. I got a quote here from Jeff Hamilton, uh, and I thought he, he kind of nailed this pretty good. Just just a couple of brief uh, quotes from him. Real, loving, godly, biblical truth is always offensive to someone. Jesus seldom ever opened his mouth without offending someone or exposing someone's own particular pet sin. God's truth is always both offensive, uncomfortable, inconvenient to any and everyone who's proud and self-absorbed sinners who are simply unwilling to accept, submit to, and obey it. That's why it's called a sword instead of a pillow. Oh. It cuts. Okay. Scripture plainly shows that any person or preacher who is primarily out to please men instead of God is certainly no servant of God. Galatians 1.10. Okay. Very good. All right. We're going to get a break of this week's bullet point. When we get back, we'll take your comments. Brian has got one in the chat room waiting on us, and we want yours as well. Send it in now. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Studies back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the Virtual Bible Study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Paul White. Recently, I came across some material containing some alarming statistics I wish to pass along to every young parent. Because I have two girls and the older soon to start sixth grade, I find myself very cautious in regards to what is seeking to destroy young girls. The executive director of the CareNet Centers in Amarillo, Texas, documented some alarming statistics regarding teenage pregnancy. When a girl begins dating in the sixth grade, 91% of the time she will engage in the act of fornication by graduation. However, the percentage of girls committing fornication before graduation is reduced to 20% of the time if the girl waits until she is in the 10th grade before beginning to date. It was also alarming to hear that the prime time that teenagers are committing fornication during the day is 4 p.m., just after school and before parents get home from work. We must be so careful as parents about giving our children too many liberties too early. Surely we can see the dangers of granting our children various freedoms before they are mature enough to face the responsibilities that come with such liberties. It is not a matter of being trustworthy, but rather a matter of being trust-ready. I am equally as concerned about mothers who seem to be pushing their girls to grow up too soon. It's obvious in the way that these girls dress, the movies they are allowed to watch, the music they are listening to, and the apparent lack of supervision. Too often this is viewed as harmless fun, innocent schoolgirl activity, or even being cute. Be careful, parents. The numbers tell a different story. Let's not be deceived by Satan's devices nor ignorant with reference to what our kids are doing and who their friends are. Remember, earlier is not always better. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. 
Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. I'm not going to get another plug in for the YouTube, Kyle. You already got your slot tonight, but uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, and, College uh, View live stream. You got it anyway. So yeah. yeah. It's good work. It needs to be plugged. So thanks for doing that, Kyle. <laughs> and uh, thank you for being here, and we look forward to hearing from you. As we talk about preaching in the chat room tonight. Brian uh, in California says, Jesus warned against neglecting the weightier matters of the law in Matthew 23, verse 23. And then he asked the question, do you have to give time for spiritual growth before tackling those matters beyond the milk of the word? Um, I think my answer to your question, Brian, would be yes, you give time for spiritual growth. But I don't think that means, you know, like years. And, you know, this guy's been a Christian for 10 years and and he still doesn't know the truth about baptism for the remission of sins he couldn't he couldn't explain why we don't use instrumental music in worships when you're talking about the language he uses or yeah yeah you know so uh in in hebrews chapter uh four five hebrews chapter five the hebrew writer says for the time for when for when for the time you ought to be teachers ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of, unri- of of righteousness for he is a babe but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil so the Hebrew writer says there's an expectation there's a time uh, now would that time be the same for every person? In other words, okay, six months, time's up. You, you, you get out there and do do it. Well, I I've, I've known some people who could be very effective and who were Christians for six months or less. The Apostle Paul stands as a pretty good example of such a person who was converted and immediately began to preach the gospel of Christ uh, in Acts chapter nine. That's not true of everybody. So I think it's going to be different with different people, uh, how uh, the rate of their spiritual maturing. But it, it, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to, to talk with a new Christian, maybe a Christian who's only been a Christian for a week. I wouldn't hesitate to talk with them about some very serious weighty matters of the law. That's how we're going to, that's going to, how we're going to help make them grow so uh yeah there there we, we do want to be patient we want to give time for growth but i don't think that means shying away from no no oh that guy's a new christian don't dare talk to him about grace don't dare talk to him about holy spirit baptism he's just a new christian don't don't put that don't put that holy spirit thing on him he, he's not able to no we'll talk about it and 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 he can get it in small bites okay all right, uh, Brian hopes that helps and appreciate uh, your comment uh, tonight. All right, on to number three. Okay, the next question we had to our email list, we're going to have to hurry here a little bit. What are some of the subjects that preachers ought to cover in their sermons, and where can a preacher come up with good ideas about what to preach? You know, I, I, I remember as a, as a young preacher, I can still remember, that's a long way back there, but I can still remember, one of the greatest challenges I had was all the scrolls you had to carry around? Yeah, the scrolls were heavy. But, yeah. uh, it was just hard to figure out what to preach about, you know, come up with, with sermon. Once I had a, a, a topic, 
then it, it was it wasn't all that difficult to put together an outline to yeah. preach on that. But it just seemed like such a challenge to figure out what to preach about. Uh, I think that gets easier the longer you preach, and and typically by the time you've preached for several years, you've got a you've got a whole bag full of things that you want to cover, you know, and 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 try to do so on a regular basis. But it it is a challenge. We understand that. Uh, so one one fellow suggested, I want to just go through these suggestions that I found from one preacher. Preach about basic themes. Uh, Jude wrote about the common salvation. Paul mentioned uh, extensively in 1 Corinthians 15 about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, so, you know, those just some very basics that, that need to be reminded. Uh, even Even... Though you've taught on them before, teach on them again. Uh, Peter mentioned that in Second Peter one verse twelve through thirteen uh, that people need to be reminded. So don't shy away about coming back over some of the same themes. I wonder how many times in fifteen years of the virtual Bible study we've talked about baptism. A lot, a lot, a lot. But we need to teach on it more because we—that's uh, not a done deal yet. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, deal with questions that people had in First Corinthians chapter. 7 verse 1 Paul addressed apparently addressed questions that had been sent to him by the Corinthian brethren Uh, observe what others are doing and find out what needs to be addressed when Paul was in Athens he was moved when he saw all the people given to idolatry he preached about that so you know uh, you can you can decide some things to preach based upon what you see as a need right Uh, preach on current events uh uh people with with Jesus uh, people wanted to talk about what was happening then and gave Jesus a chance an opening to preach to them about repentance uh preach what you've learned from others Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, I think that verse already been mentioned, pass on your knowledge to others. So there's just some really good exa- examples of of things that we could come up with to preach about. Yeah. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Here's what Kent said: There is a need to cover a multiplicity of subjects in our preaching. There are several ways that we can develop needed sermons. Number one, by knowing the members of the local church and coming to an understanding of their spiritual needs. Number two, by inviting non-Christians, unfaithful brethren, and all types of visitors to visit our assemblies and dealing with subjects that fit such needs. Number three, by a careful study of the scriptures and dealing with material that is addressed in the scriptures. There's really no excuse for preachers running out of sermon material. The Bible is full of it. Preachers need to get busy engaging in profitable study and dig that material out. Really good. Kent's talking to the, he's getting on the preachers there. Yeah, really good. Really good. Get busy. All right. Well, here's a list from Dwight and Michelle, marriage, divorce, remarriage, alcohol, modesty, language, Lord's Supper, singing, how to be saved, elders, deacons, and the list can go on. Paul said in Corinthians or sorry, Colossians three sixteen and 17, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, to God and the Father through him. Just as any of us must have authority to do the things we do, preachers must fulfill their duty in preaching the whole counsel of God, Acts 20, verse 7. Thank 20, you for 20, that. 20, verse 27. Sorry, 20, verse 27, yes. Okay. And then he goes on to say the people of the congregation, the elders... Uh, the issues going on in the world and the church are areas to look and listen for list lessons, but we must look to the word for the truth. 
Second uh, Peter one verse three, His divine power given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, so the word is where we get the truth. He said, I drove by a sign about abortion one time and came up with a sermon about that topic. Right. I think that's right. And I, 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 I do think that uh, he mentioned and, and uh, I mentioned earlier the uh, issues going on in the world and in the church are areas to look to. I, I, I do think we want to deal with, you know, for instance, uh, you know, Abortion is a big current issue. You know, uh, we'd be we we need to jump on that. We need to really hit that kind of a, a subject. Uh, so, uh, for instance, I don't know if our listeners will remember a few years ago here in Tennessee there was a, a state constitutional amendment uh, concerning the abortion question. And we, we were hitting that hard right then because it was something needed in the moment, a, a current issue that was, really needed a lot of attention in the moment. So he saw a sign and he came up with a sermon. Now I got to know if anybody asked him after the lesson where he got his idea. Did he say it was a sign? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, Mohan, Mohan passed on that one. So, okay. Okay. So uh, let's, let's grab So lot, there's lots of subjects that need covering. And I, I think our emailers really nailed that answer. This is one. Well, well, let's grab our last break and then catch these last two quickly, Jacob. What about using visual aids? Is is using something like PowerPoint the equivalent of adding instrumental music to our to our singing? And then what about offering an invitation at the end of a sermon? Got to go fast. We're getting our break, and we're back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. More than half of Americans say religious beliefs are a matter of personal opinion, not objective facts. And that's made clear by examining the varying and sometimes contradictory theological doctrines they hold. For 54% of Americans, theological beliefs are not a matter of objective truth, but rather belong in the category of subjective personal opinion. That information is via LifeWay Research. Our Lord Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program. Going to the top of the hour, going fast. Uh, two more questions to talk about here. Okay, what about using visual aids? Of course, the thing everybody uses now is computer-generated computer PowerPoint slides or, or some other software with the equivalent effect. Of the, the, everybody understands what we mean when we talk about PowerPoint as sort of a generic description of <coughs> computer-generated graphics that we flash up on a screen. 
for for old preachers like me, that's a, a somewhat new invention. We started out using blackboards. Yeah. We got overhead projectors where we made transparencies, and they've sh- shown up on the screen. <coughs> even before that, and I'm not that old, but even before that, preachers would paint their points of their sermon. You got me now choked up. <laughs> that's all right. Put them on bed sheets, the old bed sheet bed sermon. Sheet. Yeah. Bed sheet sermons. Now that's sort of hard to change your outline, though. You know, you're sort of you're sort of locked in once you yeah. make that sheet. Yeah, it was, a, but it was a lot of work. But the reason why they did that is because it's been proven over and over again. I mean, our own experience would bear it out, but official studies have been done that show that when people can see and hear points being made, they have a much higher rate of retention. Yep. There's just, I mean, that's just not debatable. It's it's just so obviously true. Yep. Yep. And so using, uh, oh, I meant to look up that verse. Somebody help me. Maybe one of our listeners will look. When, when, uh, uh, when uh, they brought Jesus, the woman taken in adultery, I think it says he stooped down and wrote in the dust. Yeah. And, uh, and some have, have said, you know, maybe that was a crude form of visual aid. You know, what was Jesus writing in the dust? Uh, nobody knows. I heard, I read after one commentator who speculated, maybe he was writing the sins of the hypocrites who had brought the woman to him. But, you know, some have said, you know, sort of a, uh, uh, an example of a visual aid. Or when Jesus said, bring me the little children, and he set them in his midst and said, you got to be like one of these to yep. enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yep. You know, that, that, that was a visual aid. Yep. Um, when, when uh, uh, you know, he, he told the disciples, cast your net uh, out uh, for the fish and, and, and then made the connection of being fishers of men. It was a, a sort of a visual aid. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah uh, that's the common. I mean, PowerPoint obviously is the very common form of visual aid in our day and time. And I, in my opinion, is highly effective. Uh, uh, I, I know I don't. I don't get to listen as much since I'm usually preaching. But when I do listen, if a sermon, if a, a preacher's got to be a really good preacher. To keep your attention without some form of ventilation, and there are some who do. There are some; uh, they're more skilled than me. Uh, but the, I think ventilation just helps so tremendously. But the question is: the question is, can we do it scripturally? Is it authorized? I knew I knew of, uh, of a situation years ago up in Upper East Tennessee when I was preaching up there. I was in a meeting. And this was before PowerPoint, but I did have an overhead projector, and I had a portable one that I took with me sometimes uh, when I went to to preach at a, uh, by invitation at another congregation. And the brethren advised me, don't bring overhead projector because we have a brother here who says that it's sinful. And and he was he was saying we condemn inst- mechanical instruments of music, and he says a projector is a mechanical instrument of teaching. And so he, he, he said it was the same as adding instrumental music. And so, they, and so to accommodate that brother, and I said, sir, fine, uh, I, you know, we won't use visual aids. But I think that's a wrong comparison, a very wrong comparison. So when we use a visual aid, we're still teaching. Yeah. We're not, we haven't changed the act uh, so there's there's different ways to teach. You can teach by writing. You, you, you can have written teaching or you can have oral teaching. 
We do written teaching all the time. We publish a church bulletin. We put written articles there. It's a form of written instruction. Yep, yep. Well, when you put something on a screen, that's a form of written instruction. Uh, so we do that all the time. Uh, but now just because we do it doesn't mean it's right. We go to the scriptures. No, no, my point is it's still teaching. We haven't we haven't changed the the act. We're right. Still, right. But when we add instrumental music, we changed the act. Okay. Now okay. we're not just singing. Now we're singing and playing. Yeah. Those are two different right. things. Right. Exactly. Whereas when we use a, a visual aid to preach, we're still just teaching. Yeah. Teaching orally teaching written but it's still teaching and yep. both forms of teaching are authorized all right um the dwight's come through uh, dwight and michelle have come through for you matthew seven fifty three. there you go follow. there you go thanks right okay all right here's what kent said visual aids are very useful ex- expedients in both preaching and teaching years ago preachers made use of chalkboards flannel graphs and bedsheet sermons back when both my wife and i converted to truth bedsheet sermons and the use of overhead projectors were used very effectively For the last 15 to 20 years, many of us have developed the use of PowerPoint systems to present the gospel and preaching, Bible studies, and debating. Such visual aids are not parallel to the use of mechanical instruments and music in the worship of God. When visual aids are properly used and the truth is taught, we're only doing what the New Testament has authorized, preaching and teaching the gospel. The use of mechanical instruments of music and worship involves an unauthorized element. Therefore, it's sinful. Colossians 3.17 Second John verse nine. I think you're exactly right, Kent. And here's what Dwight and Michelle said: Singing is specific, whereas the scriptures say to teach, and that is generic in nature. We can teach in a car, over the phone, in a house, or anywhere. We can teach by sign language if we know how. PowerPoint, overheads, visual aid are nothing more than aids in teaching, which we can use because it's not specified to teach in a certain way where singing is. Singing is specific, but using a songbook does not change the worship of singing. It is nothing more than an aid to accomplish doing things decently in an order as the Lord commanded. But a piano or organ is an addition, not just an aid. It yep. changes the act. Yep. All right. Very good. Very good. Up next. All right. And the last thing on the uh, among the questions that we sent out is, should there be an invitation at the end of the sermon? <clears throat> so... We preach a sermon, and we get to the end of the sermon. How do you wrap that up? Mm-hmm. What's the end? Okay. Well, we have typically used the expression that we extend the invitation. Yeah. Uh, and that may be, the terminology of that may be off a little bit, because it's not really our invitation. It's not like we are the inviter. It's the Lord himself is inviting people to come. Yeah. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 11 Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's Matthew 11, verse 28. Uh, So the invitation really comes from the Lord. We may be voicing the invitation, but it's not our invitation. It is the invitation of the Lord. And I I hope everybody understands that when we say that. So, and, And we are the ones who have developed that terminology that it's an invitation. I mean, uh, but it is this Lord inviting or calling or asking or, uh, you know, uh, those who would come to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really appropriate to do so. Preachers of old would never have dreamed of ending a sermon without some form of an invitation in which non-Christians were invited to come to to obey the gospel and and those who were already Christians were urged to 
let their needs be known if they had fallen away and needed the prayers of the saints. Uh, uh, preachers of a generation ago would never have thought to end a sermon without, you know, that sort of a, a, an ending attached to them. I'm alarmed. I'm personally alarmed that a, a new generation of preachers is coming along who don't feel the need to do that, who, who, who even who even mock the idea of doing really? that sort of thing. Yeah. I went to hear a preacher, a young preacher some time back, and uh, at the end of his sermon, he actually said, I, I know there's some older preachers in the audience uh, who, who, will, who won't appreciate what I have to say, but I just, I'm just going to end my sermon this way. I just want to tell everybody, let go and let God. I was dumbfounded because, first of all, I don't even know what that means, let go and let God. So that's why you're dumbfounded. Yeah. But, I mean, it was it just, uh, you know, it didn't get the job done. Didn't it do it, it right. di- didn't tell a lost sinner what he ought to do to be saved. It didn't, it didn't admonish a, a, a wayward Christian to make his life right. Uh, what we really want to do as we wrap up our sermons is try to get people to to apply what we've been talking about. You know, you didn't let go of a moan, did you, when he said that? Uh, no, but I could have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, I I think it's it's certainly appropriate. Now, some sermons lend themselves more to that kind of urging than others. For instance, if if I was preaching a sermon. And uh, on Sunday evening about gambling, you know, or the, the sin of gambling. Well, this, when, when you talk about the sin of gambling, that that that's not a that's not a sermon that segues immediately at the end to if you've never been baptized, you know, we want to encourage you to, to be baptized uh, for the remission. But even that, I mean, I, I still think we can make that connect. We, we could still make that invitation known. Some sermons obviously don't apply themselves to that as well as others, but still I think it needs to be known. Here's what Kent said. Yes, most definitely. We must not leave the false impression that responding to a song at the conclusion of a sermon is the only way individuals must may properly respond to be baptized to Christ or be restored to fellowship with God. However, such is an excellent expedient to make use of the Lord's invitation to respond favorably to the gospel. Really good point, Ken. In other words, we're not saying that's the only time that someone could make that decision or answer the call, but... It, we, I think we're missing a golden opportunity if we don't urge people at that time. Uh, and here's what Dwight and Michelle said. This is an, that is an open decision for the one making the lesson. It is a good time to try to get people to come to the Lord through an invitation after a lesson that may have caused them to think about changing their lives. I have always closed my sermons with a call to those who need help. This is an appropriate time, and it is really just part of one sermon to get people to think and to make their lives right with God. And then Mohan says, I would only feel comfortable baptizing someone whom I or someone else has studied with to make sure they understand what it means to be a true disciple of Christ. Please see if you could expound your views on this from the Bible. So Mohan says he would want to make sure. So somebody comes and responds to that invitation. He want to make sure. Yeah, that they know I agree, Mohan. I agree. And, and I, I just, man, we're out of time. But I remember years ago, uh, a fella came to church services. He, his cousin brought him. And it was the first time he'd ever been to church, probably the first time in his whole life he'd ever been to church. The, the, the sermon on that sermon that day, I talked about judgment and about punishment for those not prepared to meet, mm-hmm. Christ, uh, meet the Lord in judgment. Yeah. And this, this fellow came forward, and I said, what can I do to, to help you? And he said, well, you talked about going to hell, and I sure don't want to go to hell. I said, do you know what you must do to be saved? He said, no, I don't know anything about the Bible. Well, I didn't just 
jump up and baptize him. I said, well, let's, let's talk. And I said, we, 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 let's dismiss the audience and let's, let's, let's talk for a while. We talked and, and set up additional studies. We studied for, for a few times, several weeks together, ended up that, that he was baptized. But I'm like Mohan. I wouldn't baptize someone if I if I wasn't confident they knew what they were doing to be Absolutely. baptized. Thank you, Mohan, for that. Rick's in the chat room, and he's uh, commented and, and added uh, Acts 21. Paul used a girdle and bound himself in order to make his point. So Paul used some visual aids there uh, in Acts 21. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, uh, appreciate that. Uh, I, was, I was just looking. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, that was actually, uh, it says, uh, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. When he was come to us, he okay. took Paul's girl yeah, and bound yeah, his that's hands. Right, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that is it. We are out of time. We're over time tonight. Yeah. I, I hope well, that, that was an interesting <laughs> discussion for everybody. You know, you're talking about sermons and preachers. It's always fitting that you go over. Yeah, long-winded yeah. preaching. Yeah. yeah. Kyle, any comments from you tonight? <clears throat> no, it was a good study. Um, I think we need to make sure we're that the preachers are presenting good lessons and we're paying attention to what the preacher has to say. So I think it's whatever method the preachers use in PowerPoint or whatever, I think we make sure we're paying attention and getting the most out of the sermon. So it was a good lesson. It's a great, uh, good lesson. Thank you for being here, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. Dad, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Enjoyed being with you. We enjoyed being with you on the other end of the line tonight. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.